Like quicksand was in every show. We talked about it in school. You talked about quicksand in school? <laughs> I think so. In what subject? I don't know. I never talked about quicksand in school. I mean, it's a real thing, but like how often are people encountering it? Not very often. For me, I could tell you not once. <laughs> Back to you, Bob. Hello and welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast. We're your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 218, A Perfect Wedding, which originally aired on April 28th, 1999. Big gap from last episode to this episode. Big gap, like six weeks. They took March off. It was like spring break. It was like March 6th or something, March 10th. Yeah. We missed my birthday. We missed tax day. They were really busy. They had to get their taxes in line. They could not air an episode. We missed Earth Day? Question mark? The Ides of March. We missed a lot. So much. Well, what are we drinking to celebrate the perfect wedding? We are drinking champagne. And it appears as if you have some fruit in yours. What do we got? Berries? I put some straws. I actually have raspberries in the fridge. I didn't realize we were being fancy. Well, of course, we're always fancy here. (laughs) True, true. Well, we will find out why we're drinking champagne. However, I'm going to dive right into the recap. We will spare no, no moment will go unspared. That's not the right (laughs) phrasing. Spare no moment, no moment will go unspared. (laughs) The bubbles just hit. (laughs) All right. So this episode opens with Dawson showing Gail his movie. And she loves it. But he just can't shake the bad review that he got from Mrs. Kennedy, the new film teacher at school, last episode. Gail advises that Dawson take control into his own hands and do something about it. He decides to re-edit his movie and fix the problems in post-production. Now, as you may recall from last week, the episode ended with Joey finding her father on her doorstep. It turns out he's out of jail on parole and he's going to take a very active role in their lives again. He tells Joey to stop worrying so much. You know, it's his job to do that. He'll be cooking breakfast now, he'll be taking care of things around the house, and he'll be helping out with the business, the restaurant, which is going to start catering. And it's actually going to cater its first event this weekend. It's the wedding of a friend of Bessie's, and it's very last minute because her caterer fell through. It's their first venture into catering, which their dad pitched as a new way for them to make money. And Bessie asks Joey to hire her friends as some cater waiters. So the whole episode, Joey's grappling with whether to be happy her dad is back or feel anxious because the entire town is going to be talking about him and judging them again. You know, maybe he should keep a low profile and not cater the biggest wedding in town. Her fears come true when she overhears two women at the ice house talking about how terrible her dad is and how horrible it was that he cheated on their mom when she was dying of cancer. This sends Joey spiraling. She knows that catering this wedding will be a disaster. So Pacey and Andy, the whole episode, they're kind of debating the importance of weddings. Andy thinks that they're unnecessary and they set people up for a perfect picturesque life that doesn't exist. It's like setting them up for failure. Pacey thinks they're the most romantic things of all time and he's determined to melt her cynical heart. At the wedding, they're arguing this point even further and Andy gesticulates a little too hard and knocks the top tier of the wedding cake to the ground. 
In the midst of trying to fix the cake, Pacey's able to get a confession out of Andy that she actually does believe that weddings are magical and amazing and everything that Pacey has been saying. While they're trying to fix the cake, Dawson and Jack team up to help talk the bride down from a cliff. She's ready to be a runaway bride. Dawson is unsuccessful at talking some sense into her, but Jack is. He tells her that love isn't perfect, so if that's what she's looking for, she'll never find it. If she loves the groom and he loves her and their love is real, then she should absolutely go through with this wedding. And she does. When alone, Dawson is kind of poking at Jack saying, you know, he didn't know what to say, but Jack knew the perfect thing to say. And Jack explains that he is a romantic and he tells Dawson that Joey is his soulmate. He really believes that. When it comes to Jen in this episode, she reaches out to Abby. She really misses Abby. And fresh off of her breakup with Ty, she realizes that the best and most fun times she had this year in Capeside were with her. So Jen asks Abby to be friends again, and they decide to hang out that night. And they're so bored, they decide to crash the wedding. But now that Andy is all on board for the romance and the magic of weddings, she kicks Jen and Abby out of the venue, saying they were not invited and that they're drunk. They're causing a scene. Before they exit, Abby grabs one more bottle of champagne to take with them. Gail, meanwhile, decides to take some of her own advice that she gave to Dawson about taking control of his life. And she decides that she's going to win Mitch back, starting today, at the wedding, to which they were both invited. But she and Dawson are both shocked when Mitch walks into the wedding with Mrs. Kennedy as his plus one. So feeling the pressure of catering the event and the pressure of her dad's return, Joey vents to Bessie about how selfish she feels like their dad is being. Just thinking he can waltz back in and upend their lives. It turns out he's listening and he hears everything. Dawson gets Joey to realize that her dad returning and getting out of jail, it won't be some magical fix. You know, he might be back, but they have to work on it. She will have to work on it and so will her dad. And that's okay. So Joey and her dad make up. She asks her father to dance there in front of everyone at the wedding and prove to Capeside that he's back, he's changed, and they won't be running and hiding. At first he refuses, but eventually they do share a dance. Before he encourages her to dance with Dawson, Mr. Potter says that Dawson loves her. And this is not the first time that he's pointed this out to Joey. Dawson and Joey share a dance and a kiss. And after dancing around it for a few episodes, they finally reunite. At the dock, meanwhile, Jen and Abby, who were kicked out of the wedding by Andy, are drinking the wedding champagne. They're joking, they're laughing, they're calling each other bitches. And Abby confesses that she doesn't think she'll ever be happy. Wherever she goes, she'll want to be somewhere else. Whatever she has, she'll always want something else. And while she's contemplating this, she falls and hits her head on a post. And Jen laughs. Abby stumbles around, she's drunk, and she's nursing her bump. And she loses her footing and falls off the railing of the very high dock into the water. Jen jumps in after her, but she can't save her. Abby Morgan drowns, and we see her being loaded into an ambulance in a body bag as Jen stands to the side sobbing. And that is the perfect wedding. Wild. Wild. What a twist. Who saw that coming? We'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Well, this episode was written by Mike White. He brought Abby Morgan into this world, and my God, he took her out. We've obviously talked about Mike quite extensively. Most recently, he was with us for episode 212, Uncharted Waters. And this episode was directed by Gregory Prang, who is a producer on the series. And most recently, he directed episode 215, That Is The Question. So we were well stacked for this episode, and it was a great one. A really, really good one. Yeah, you could tell the writer was really good. I always try not to look at the writer because I want to hear from you. But sometimes I catch it. I didn't on this one. But when every little beat of the story got played out between Jack and Dawson, Dawson and Joey, Bessie and Joey, Joey and her dad, 
Abby and Andy, Janet, like every little dynamic that they could touch on was featured and every character brought that like POV to the scene, like the conflict that they have with that character. And that could only be written by someone who like really knows the show, really understands where all the characters are. And nothing felt extra, nothing, everything felt needed in a way to progress the story. I don't know. It was great. Yeah. Like you didn't need to know Abby and Andy hate each other for them to have that interaction where Andy kicks them out and... It was very well written. Cheers to that. Cheers to Mike White. What about guest cast shout out? Mm. I'm giving guest cast shout out this week to Madchkin Amik. We touched on her last week. She plays Miss Kennedy, the new film teacher. She's a very accomplished actress. She's has a huge part in Riverdale, which I know a lot of people love, Witches of East End, Damages, My Own Worst Enemy, Central Park West. She was in both the original and the reboot of Twin Peaks. She's just got a massive career. Those are the things where she's had like huge roles, but she has tons of little roles, tons of movie roles. She's just a very accomplished actress and she does a great job in this series. Very famous. I know her from Twin Peaks. I mean, I knew her from Twin Peaks before this. And we found out that her character's name is Nicole. Yeah. Nicole Kennedy. I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of hate her. For sure. We're supposed to, so. Yeah. But yeah, she's a great little actress. And I mean, her and Mitch are hot, but we'll get into it. They're hot. And I love the look on her face when Mitch introduces her to Gail. Gail wants nothing to do with them, walks away, and then... Dawson has to speak to the dad and pulls him away. And the look on her face is like, well, that was a disaster. They hate me, but I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to have fun at this wedding. God damn it. Free booze. I'm here. Going home with Mitch. Not upset. Lucky. Music moment. You got anything? Uh, Yeah. Shimmer. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be Feels Like Home. That one too. Feels Like Home just reminds me of the soundtrack. But talk about Shimmer. Shimmer plays, I believe, when the bride is walking down the aisle and is it edwin mccain no it's um but somebody like that edwin mccain adjacent i feel like sean mullins sean mullins oh my god are they not the same i think i just realized now that sean mullins (laughs) and edwin mccain are not the same person visceral visceral memory this was the first episode when i think of this episode i think of this as the first episode where at the end when they said this episode featured music by and they showed the cd album cover Mm -hmm. this was the first time i remember the Dawson's Creek soundtrack being shown. This is a white cover. Oh. All four of them were in the dock. So I think this was like the unveiling of... This is when they were like really declaring themselves a music show, kind of. Because Sixpence on the Richer Kiss Me, it was in this episode again. Yeah, I wrote that down. My music moment is Feels Like Home, which plays at the end of the episode over the final wedding scene where Dawson and Joey finally kiss and connect or whatever. And it trails off into the Abbey body bag scene. But... I was surprised by the reuse of Kiss Me. We've already heard Kiss Me this season. It's very Mm -hmm. rare, I feel like, for a song to come back unless it's commenting or trying to connect the moments. But it was just kind of a random use of it. I know. I wonder if because it was on the soundtrack, I believe. And I wonder if they were just like, Mm. well, we're pushing the soundtrack. Let's do it again. Yeah. Interesting. That's a good point. Huh. It was a great episode for music. It really was. It had so many songs. (laughs) Like there are mm-hmm. so many songs in this episode. Yeah. And we'll pick the best ones and put them on our Spotify playlist. Now, what about your past versus present? Hmm. My past versus present would be, okay, at what wedding do the cater waiters like just join in on the fun and start dancing? <laughs> oh my God, I know. I'm sorry. It is really funny, actually. I mean, I guess maybe because 
Bessie as a friend of the brides and it was like a last minute favor, even though they're fully getting paid. Like, I don't know. It was very odd. They were dancing. They were they were all over the place. I mean, I'm not like that at all. Like, I'm not like, oh, the help. But like, if it is my wedding and the waitstaff starts dancing, I'd be like, sir, get out of here. Go behind the bar. This ain't over. What do I pay you for? Keep the champagne coming, ma'am. The horseradish crusted salmon, as Joey was talking about. Keep that comment. I'm looking through to see if I have anything. I don't think I really have anything for this episode, but I do agree with yours. That's a good one. Let's open it up. First thing I wrote down is that we love a supportive queen when Gail's supporting Dawson. (laughs) She's like, look, it's not Citizen Kane, but it's good. It'll get there. Maybe try something different. (laughs) She's like, you're talented. It's not the Bride of Chucky. (laughs) It's not not Citizen Kane, but it's not the Bride of Chucky. Yeah. I enjoy a Gail cold open moment. Me too. Oh, you know what? I do have something for past versus present. Can we go back to that really quick? Yeah. My past versus present would be how inappropriate it struck me this time around that Gail tells Dawson that she's going to try to get Mitch back. Mitch later says to him, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put you in the middle of this. And Dawson said, well, then maybe you shouldn't be dating one of my teachers. But I'm like, no, Gail is the one that put him directly in the middle by saying to him, kind of bringing him into her plan. I don't know. It was, it was, it didn't, I didn't like it. It felt yucky to me. Yeah. My parents are always talking to me about it. Like they, they talk to me inappropriately about things like that. Like adult things I shouldn't have been hearing. They were like talking to me like I was their friends. Mine too. But I feel like that specific topic and notion knowing that Dawson wants his parents to get back together I feel like he shouldn't be a part of that conversation because it's only going to get his hopes up and then build resentment for his dad in a way if his dad's not you know what I mean like I don't know it just feels like there are many things that you can talk to your kids about and have it be like eh, whatever but that felt I don't know felt tough to me yeah I get it that's all all right we can go back to opening it up well Mike Potter's back. Mike Potter's back. He's cooking breakfast. He's kind of cute. He's making big plans. He is cute. But it made me laugh when he said, don't worry, Joey, us Potters always land on our feet. And I was like, sir, you landed in jail. You do not always (laughs) land on your feet. Yeah, I feel like they are. I mean, look, I get that she's happy to have her dad back. And I get that Bessie's happy to have him back, too. But I just feel like they are kind of glossing over the fact that, like, he did cheat on the mom while she was dying of cancer. That feels like it would need more discussion for me. Yeah, sure. But we're not sure the timeline. We're not sure if she died like five years ago and he would, we know he's been in jail for three years, but right. I don't know. They could have had time to deal with that before he went off to jail. But I'm just saying, yeah, but we need a little, little, little closure, a little button on that. A little button on that. But they did a good job of being like, he's a good guy. Yeah. We feel bad for him a little bit in this episode. He's being talked about all over town. Joey lashes out at him to Bessie, which she overhears. And it's just like he made a mistake. He's trying to turn his life around. He's cooking turkey bacon. He's cooking eggs. He's playing with Alexander. That was very cute. That scene where he's like, give me my grandson. I know. They're cute. The Potters are cute. And Bessie's just so happy to not have to be the grown up anymore, I think. I know, but... Where is Bodhi? They have not addressed Bodhi. They have absence. not addressed it. And honestly, I kind of forgot when I was watching this episode that how the last episode ended. And when we saw a man cooking breakfast, I was like, Bodhi. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, 
Mike Potter. We know Bodie comes back. I mean, Bodie's in it, but season two, he is he is not here. No. And I don't remember what they say when he shows back up. Me neither. We'll have to, if, if anything. Yeah. Maybe he just comes out of the bedroom like, hey, guys. <laughs> Bessie has a friend named Pam that's getting married at the Athenaeum. They said Athenaeum so many times. I was like, what is this word? Cape said Athenaeum. Is that a word that I should know? No. Okay. It's Latin, I'm sure. But the way they were saying it, like, <laughs> you know, the Athenaeum. It's like, oh, okay. The Athenaeum. Oh my God, there's one in Pasadena. Ooh. What is an Athenaeum? A library or institution for literary or scientific study. Mm. I mean, that's not what that building was. <laughs> no. That was the ballroom. That was a wedding event space. Okay, Jack is still gelling his hair. The hair is poofing. We love it. He's gay now. <laughs> Look, he's gay now, okay? Gay people don't wear their hair down. <laughs> no bowl cuts here. It's a jar of dippity do, as Abby would say. I liked when, so Jack finds out first from Joey that her dad is back and he's helping her recruit people to be cater waiters. And he goes up to Pacey and Dawson and he says $60. And Pacey goes, I'd cater your ass for $60. <laughs> so funny. And Jack's like, that won't be necessary. <laughs> that won't be necessary. That's the type of homoerotic playfulness we want to see at Cape Side High. <laughs> However, in that same scene, Dawson is venting to Pacey about how his dad is hooking up with Mrs. Kennedy. And he's like, oh, my dad, my, you know, Dawson. And Pacey's like, well, Mrs. Kennedy is like not without her charms. <laughs> <laughs> And just she goes to show Pacey that thing for teachers. It's a uh, old dog, new tricks. He's got his head on a swivel when it comes to the staff of Cape Side High. Abby, in the scene where Jen approaches Abby to be friends again, Abby is wearing like a Cruella de Vil like, I wrote feather. that down. <laughs> like a feather cardigan, full feathers. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and later in the scene where Abby falls, Jen is wearing like a head to toe, full length, red leather jacket that also has like black feathers on the neck Mm -hmm. so i think she borrowed that from abby in a deleted scene that felt like an abby jacket their wardrobe is ridiculous in this episode but jen says to her hey the best times they had this year are with you and abby says that's the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me and i believe it i believe it and jen you know she's off this breakup with ty and they touched on it a little bit at the end of last episode because she said to ty like you know you're one of the best things to happen to me in a long time in this town and he ruined it so it would make sense now that she's on the rebound and turning to abby she loves to bounce jen says you know i've tried to change my image no one still will accept me so why am i trying to change my image i should just like lean into it and hang out with you yeah love that for her yeah abby or later jen is very hurt that no one asked her to cater the wedding or help out at the wedding so her and abby decide to crash it yeah. And they drink lots of champagne, which is why we're drinking champagne. Yeah. They steal champagne. Hopefully we won't fall and hit our heads. God, I hope not. It'd be fun to like hit my head and wake up with amnesia, <laughs> but it would, it would not be fun to fall and die. I feel like amnesia, quicksand, they're all kind of in the same category of things we were told about a lot in our youth, but that don't really ever happen or aren't really talked about anymore like quicksand was in every show we talked about it in school you talked about quicksand in school <laughs> i think so and what subject i don't know i never talked about quicksand in school i mean it's a real thing but like how often are people encountering it not very often for me i could tell you not once 
<laughs> Remember when Michelle Tanner had amnesia? No. In the series finale of Full House, she falls off a horse and gets amnesia, and the whole episode uh... is like a recap episode. Freaking Michelle Tanner. She was so goddamn annoying. <laughs> anyway. Triggered. Andy hates weddings, which is interesting. I would think it would have been the opposite. I would think that yeah. Andy loves weddings and Pacey hates weddings. I wrote that down. It does not compute to me that she would be anti-wedding, which we come to learn she isn't actually anti-wedding. But yeah, I don't he pulls it, it out of her a little bit. Yeah, it was weird. But I mean, they have to stay bickering. That's what they do. Yeah. She's a spaz, man. She's a spaz and a half. Who knocks over the top of a cake? She was gesticulating very passionately. Like an air traffic controller. Can I just say, Dawson is literally the last person that I would want to walk me through a pre-wedding crisis. Mm-hmm. When he opens the door, I was like, oh. He says to her, you need to make a decision. The wedding's about to start. <laughs> That's not the way you talk to someone <laughs> Who's having a crisis and she's like talking to him and he's like, I really don't know what to say. (laughs) Dawson, go get somebody else. You are not helping. He's the worst. Pam is pulling a Julia Roberts. She's a runaway bride. Dawson, like you said, doesn't know what to say. Jack comes in, saves the day. The bride is like, what if this guy's not my soulmate? What if I'm getting married too young and then I throw away my only chance? First of all, Pam, I mean, there's a divorce. Let's just calm down. <laughs> Secondly, Jack says, there is no such thing as perfect love. If you love him and he loves you, then just get married. Just get married. What are you holding out for some imaginary <laughs> thing that may never come? You got this guy. He loves you. Right, just do it. You got Alan. And it's Cape Side. Just get married. <laughs> what else are you going to do? <laughs> Speaking of Cape Side, they never tell us this, but I imagine Cape Side has like a very rich side. And a very poor side. And it's a very gossipy town. And it's part of the town where like impressions are everything and appearances are everything. Because mm-hmm. these two women are at the ice house and they are bashing Mike Potter for being a philanderer while his wife was dying. And this isn't the first time, but Dawson and Joey are like, well, you know, Cape Side, like people talk. That's all they do here. Then Joey says, I forget the exact phrasing. She's like, oh, all the blue bloods of... Cape Side will be at this wedding. Like Mitch, Gail. <laughs> this is the biggest social event of Cape Side Springtime. What about Miss Windjammer? That was fall or winter? I don't know. Mm, true, 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 true. I forgot it's the same school year. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my bad. This is the social event of the year, this wedding. And what would have happened if Pam said she didn't want to go through with it? Exactly. What do you think happened to their caterer? <laughs> good question. Like, really good question. Maybe the whole facility burned down. Like it would have to be something so catastrophic. It couldn't just be one person fell ill or something. Unless it's a one man show. Who knows? One woman show. (sighs) Bessie, I don't know if you noticed, but Bessie's hair is so ridiculous at the wedding. Bessie's hair is interesting. Just in general. (laughs) She has it like pinned up somehow that it just looks like she kind of has like a bowl cut, like a three stooges kind of cut. Bessie's in professional mode. She's head caterer. She is, but the hair is really an interesting choice for me. (laughs) Everyone looks cute in their little tuxes. It's giving... um... Yeah, and like, what did they just have those laying around? Did they find a last minute rental? I feel like Bessie took care of that. Bessie Potter. She's a businesswoman. She's a single mother. She's, She's doing it. It's giving party down. It is giving party down big time. Party down is on 
Stars? Ooh, good question. That sounds right. It was a great show. I still didn't watch the latest season, the new one. I didn't either, actually. The look on Mary Margaret Humes' face when she sees Mitch walk in with Nicole Kennedy. Wow. Talk about acting. It's really good. She's really good in this episode, I have to say. She like looks in their direction, looks away, and then like looks back like a double take kind of a thing. Wow. Let me tell wow, you. Wow, wow, wow. The Emmys were where? Honestly Talking robbed. West Wing. <laughs> West Wing, the practice. Get out of here. And Dawson finds Pam. She's clutching a pillow. <laughs> she says she's having a heart attack. <laughs> I get it. Jack is giving me like Owen Wilson in Wedding Crashers vibes in that scene where he's like swooping in to save the day and just like say all the right things, but he's not really supposed to be there. I don't know. Something about him. When Abby and Jen are in her room listening to music. Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, that reminded me of you when Abby did her impersonation of Graham's. Jennifer, turn that racket down. Yeah. And then Abby says, we need to go find the three Bs. Boys, booze. Boys, booze. Well, I guess that's two Bs. But she wants to go find boys and booze. Jen says, no one even invited me to that wedding. And Abby's like, since when do we need an invite? I don't get invited anywhere. Let's just crash. Turns out it's boys, booze, and body bags. Oh, <gasps> because she dies. But for, okay. I mean, we're not really there yet, but who saw this coming? Let me tell you, not me. I remember being so shocked. I just thought, oh, Jen's going to jump in and find her. Ha ha, you know, whatever. Shocked. And now we know that Monica Kina asked to be written out of the show because she didn't like going from LA to North Carolina so much. And I think we were gearing up for pilot season and she wanted to be in LA more. So she had asked to be written out of the show. So crazy. It was so out of left field and so impactful to do it at the very end of the episode. Yeah. So good. I mean, these shows didn't really do death a lot. So it was a big shocker. I also remember the few times 90210 did it. I was very shocked. But you know, we always we always talk about how Dawson's feels a little more grounded than 90210. So it was especially shocking. And Abby has played such a big part in this season. Mm -hmm. She's not in every episode and whatever, but it wasn't like killing off Chris. Yeah. She's just much more rooted in the group, I feel like. Yeah, she's been a significant part of the show. She debuted in season one. They brought her back for season two. She's been the main antagonist. Closest thing we have to a villain. She gone. So there's a funny little thing that happens on Hulu when you watch it with subtitles. The song that plays is not Shimmer when she walks down the aisle. It's not the original song, Shimmer. But the subtitles that show you the lyrics are Shimmer. Interesting. Jack tells Dawson that he and Joey are soulmates. Yeah, that was a really cute little speech. Jack basically gives Dawson like a pep talk mm -hmm. and tells him that he needs to... <laughs> The word choice isn't great, but he's like, you need to force it, basically. <laughs> and he does. He does kind of just like not by telling her, which is what he's been doing of like, I love you. I love you. I need to be with you. I love you. I love you. He just kind of showed her. And that's cute. And I loved that Jack pushed Dawson. And then I love that Jack like smiled as Dawson and Joey danced together. It was very cute. Yeah. After this speech with Jack, Dawson goes to Joey and says, I know you thought when your dad came home, everything would be magical. That's not how life works. You have to work at it. You know, things will be fine, but you and your dad have some work to do. And she says, you know, no one knows me better than you and blah, 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 blah. 
She's dancing with her dad and her dad says, her dad is always pimping her out to Dawson. Always. Her dad says earlier <laughs> in the episode, I thought you and Dawson would be together by the time I got home. What happened there? <laughs> I thought you'd be pregnant. I thought you'd be giving me my second grandchild. <laughs> I'd just screw that one up. And then Dawson and Joey say they love each other and then they kiss. Again, totally pulling focus from poor Pam and Alan. Again, they're supposed to be working this event. <laughs> They're just making out on the dance floor. I know. In what worlds? I don't know. Joey's supposed to hate PDA. It's canon. That's a great point. We found out in To Be or Not To Be. That is a really, really great point. I'm going to write a letter. (laughs) I'm going to write a letter to the WB. You should. So when Andy and Pacey accidentally destroy the cake, they're trying to fix it. The bride's trying to see it. And Andy's trying to keep her away. She's like, oh, it's bad luck to see the cake before, you know, the cake cutting. She's like, what's going to happen? And Andy's like, it's bad luck. You'll get that. (laughs) She's trying to keep the bride at bay. And that's when Andy confesses to Pacey, you know, she does believe in all of this. She can't give the bride a bad day, bad luck. She loves weddings. She's been a secret wedding lover. Closeted wedding lover. This whole time. And the bride is like, the only old wives tale I ever heard is that the top tier of the cake represents, you know, the marriage. And that's when Andy's like, I ruined this woman's life. This poor woman in her poor wedding. But props to Pacey for fixing it. And this is actually a call forward to season five when Pacey becomes a chef. Yeah, because it was not looking good there for a minute, but he really pulled it out. Yeah, he's naturally talented in the culinary arts. He is you know who else is Mike Potter? And you know what he's so cute in? His little chef coat. He's cooking that horseradish encrusted salmon. They're doing it. They're doing it. They have a plan. They're trying to get their finances back on track. The Potters are ready to be thriving. After Mike hears Joey kind of bash him a little bit, she says, you know what? There was this girl that the day you got arrested or the day after you got arrested, I heard her talking badly about us. And she was one of my best friends. And then I walked up to her the next day. I looked her right in the eye and I just smiled and pretend like I didn't hear anything. She's basically saying, people are going to talk about us. They've always talked about us. We're the potters. We're going to we're gonna survive this. I don't care what people think. I'm not going to let what people think tarnish my love for my dad. That's right. She got over her shit. You know what else I liked? There's a few times, like the first time Dawson sees Mr. Potter, Mr. Potter says, tell your parents I said hi. And he says, you know, tell them yourself. They'll be at the wedding. And Mike runs into Gail at the wedding. And I just like those little nods to the history that we haven't seen, you know, because they were probably all really good friends growing up because your your parents are always close with your best friend's parents, right? Like at school functions and things. So yeah, it's nice seeing that little history. Definitely. It's very cute. I feel really bad for Gail at this wedding. And I really liked Dawson's point of like, he pulls Mitch aside and Mitch says, to be fair, I didn't know you were going to be here because Dawson's there working, obviously, and wasn't supposed to be. But he's like, but you knew that mom was going to be here, especially coming off the episode where, you know, they're trying to work out the co-parenting thing and like have better communication. Yeah, kind of let her know. I do think Mitch has the right to live his life. and you know, 100%. I don't think that he needed to not bring a date, but I think he could have been like, hey, Gail, by the way, I'm bringing a date. Like it's like a gut punch. Yeah. Especially the way she plays it when she sees them come through the door. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not his responsibility to worry about her feelings because she certainly didn't worry about his when she was cheating on him. But still. And Mitch says, I didn't want to put you in the middle. And Dawson is like, well, if you don't want to put me in the middle, maybe you shouldn't have dated one of my teachers. 
That's a good point. They do a really good job of like Mitch does do some questionable things, but he's so likable and John Wesley Shipp is so likable. You still are just like, I love Mitch, but yeah. I guess it's a little scrub. Andy kicks Abby and Jen out of the wedding. So that is why they're drinking on the dock. And that is why, well, that's not why Abby dies, but Abby does die there. And the fact that Andy kicked them out will come back next week. Just something of note. Something to note. I get Andy. I would have kicked him out too. It's inappropriate for sure. I either would have been like, you guys should leave or just completely ignored them and pretended I didn't know them. Not my problem. Not my responsibility. Andy is me. We've talked about it. But I would have been like, you can't do this to Pam and Alan. (laughs) Andy and Pacey talking about marriage at the end was cute. Yeah. When she's like, when we get married, I'd like to get married in Venice. And he's like, well, by the time we get married, we'll be 30. And that city will have sunk into the ocean by then. We've talked about Jen's red leather fur coat thing. Yes. That's going to get ruined when she jumps into the water to save Abby. Poor Jen. That's all I wrote. Poor Jen. Like poor Jen. That last shot where she's just kind of standing shivering on the street wrapped in a blanket knowing that Abby is now dead. Oof. Brutal. Yeah. Can you imagine? Truly no. Truly no. Dawson and Gail have a nice little moment at the end where they're dancing. Yeah. He says, knowing what you want is half the battle, which is something she said to him in the cold open. He tells her to stay tenacious. Yeah, him giving her her own advice was a really cute moment. And I think did genuinely help her. Yeah. Dawson and Joey's kiss. Crazy. They're back together. They've been dancing around it for a while. He's like, look. My art journey's over. I'm a cater waiter now. <laughs> and a cater waiter needs our man. She's like, thank you for putting up with me for the last 16 years. James Vanderbeek's pointy chin fits so perfectly <laughs> <laughs> right under Katie Holmes's lip. But Gail and Mike Potter dancing together. And that's cute. That is cute. It's very cute. Look, she's one of, uh, no, she's not. Never mind. I was going to say she's one of Cape Side's finest, but she's not. She's on the uh, outs ever since the affair. And they are watching Dawson and Joey just go at it. Hate it. So weird. My parents have never seen me touch another person. (laughs) And they never will. If I have a wedding, there'll be like a black screen (laughs) rolled (laughs) for the kiss. And it can be rolled away just as fast. That is uh, that is honestly always freaked me out about weddings because like when you kiss like your grandparents are there everyone's there just like watching you and it feels like voyeuristic and weird. I mean it could just be like a little little peck. I still think the peck is weird because we're all like waiting for it and we're like looking and staring. It's like kiss 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 her on the lips. <laughs> and if you're in a church, there's like a shirtless Jesus on a crucifix behind them. <laughs> it's just such a weird tradition. I've always thought it was weird. It is a little bizarre. But anyway, Mitch and Gail are, are, oh my God. Mitch is watching too, but Mike and Gail are watching. Lots of rescue personnel at the site of the drowning. Tons. There are air tanks. They did a deep dive. They had to. She sunk right to the bottom. They, what's the word I'm looking for? They drugged the, dug the. Dredged. Dredged? I think so. They dredged the harbor. It's not dredged. <laughs> dredged to clean out the bed of a harbor, river, or other area of water by scooping out mud, weeds, and rubbish with a dredge. Oh my God, they dredged. They dredged the river to find her, the creek. And they found her. They found her. She's dead. She's bluer than 
Violet Beauregard. <laughs> she is blue as hell. I really wanted them. I knew that they didn't, but when I was watching this episode, I really wanted them to smash cut from Joey and Dawson kissing to Abby's dead face. <laughs> like just a really jarring <laughs> cut. Yeah, they do like a nice little dissolve. Yeah, to a high, like a high wide shot. And then they go to Abby. Like they they brace you for it. Well, that's all I have for this episode. I mean, I, I think it's a solid episode. I love this episode. I just don't really have a ton, ton, ton to say. I think it's one to watch just for the sheer twist of it all. My last four notes were poor Gail, poor Jen. What a twist in all caps with the Abby death. And of course, Mike Waite went on to create White Lotus because this episode is amazing. Now, something of note, which you and I have discussed. Abby Morgan, created by Mike White, who went on to write White Lotus, as you just said, who created Tanya McCoy, played by Jennifer Coolidge, who was on both seasons of White Lotus. She dies in a very similar fashion as Abby. She gets drunk and she falls off a boat. I mean, she's being chased. (laughs) She kills everyone. Then she tries to jump onto a boat and she falls and hits her head. But she's been drinking a lot. So Abby Morgan and Tanya. I say Tanya. Tanya? I thought it was Tanya. Abby Morgan and Tanya, both created by Mike White, both die at his hand in a similar fashion. They hit their heads and drowned. That's crazy. It really, when you pointed that out to me, my mind was blown. We love that. We're going to make a little TikTok about it. We're famous. Sorry, guys. We can't do the pot anymore. We're famous. Someone wrote to us and said that we have to do a Felicity podcast. Uh, it would be interesting. I mean, I'm exhausted thinking about the 100 episodes we have left, but also it would be really interesting to do a podcast where you're very knowledgeable about the show and I'm coming at it completely fresh. I think that would be interesting. After this, we have to solve crimes. We've already talked about it. Good point. There's so many people out there who need our help. The world needs us. Shall we do it, Austin's draft? Let's do it. So today's category is best death. Best death, most memorable death, most impactful death. There are a lot of good deaths. Yeah, there's a lot of things to weigh. I think what I'm going to weigh is shock value and like timelessness. Like, does it hold up over time and impactfulness? You know? Yeah. Now, as far as what my first one is, that's hard. Oh, also, side note, I think that we should say the series first and then the person just in case anyone hears a series that they're in the middle of skip ahead 15 seconds or whatever the button is yes we will be saying the series first and then we will elaborate as to not spoil yes so we don't get yelled at we get yelled at quite often (laughs) it's pretty crazy all right for my number one the show is buffy the vampire slayer and I'm going to go with Joyce Summers, which was Buffy's mother. And I think it just kind of what I said, shock value wise, it was very shocking for that series. It holds up over time. It's been many years. The episode still really packs a punch. It is gut wrenching. It's awful. And it was just like a really relatable episode moment for a series that was so, you know, out there and supernatural. I think I'm going to take from Game of Thrones, Ned Stark. And there are many deaths on Game of Thrones that are worth talking about, but that's the one. It's from the penultimate episode of season one. And they just completely shocked 
every watcher. They spent the entire season building Ned up to kind of be one of the leads, the nice guy that you care about. They put so much time and effort into him and then they just take him out in the penultimate episode. And that was the minute you knew like, oh, this series isn't screwing around. Nobody's safe. And I don't know, it was just had a huge impact and kind of set the tone for the series. Yeah, he was on my list as well, because it, I mean, it made me sick when he died. Just the, <laughs> yeah. the way he died and like Sansa's involvement in it. And then they killed like the main, they killed the protagonist, which is not really something that shows do. So for my second pick, I'm going to go with someone from Grey's Anatomy. And I'm going to pick Derek Shepard, McDreamy himself. His character was missing for a few episodes. So we were all like, where's Derek? Where's, you know, where is he? But the reason that it kills me is because he is in a car accident. And, you know, he's a surgeon, obviously. And he's taken to like a small medical center based on where he is because he's in the middle of nowhere. They make a wrong call not to do a scan that they should have done. If they did that scan, it would have saved his life. But he could hear. You say when you've lost some of your verbal senses, you can still hear. And so his character is like narrating like, no, don't do that. Do the scan, do the scan. It's like gut-wrenching to watch. And then when Meredith gets there, she gets the chart and she realizes they made the wrong call. And then, you know, he's brain dead and she has to pull the plug and she's the kids with her in the waiting room and, you know, chasing cars plays. And it's just like, oh my God. Brutal. So left an impact, left an impression. I think... I'm going to take from Lost, Charlie Pace, because his death really impacted the series. And he was just such a good character. And it had kind of been this arc throughout the season of Desmond, who's another character on the show, having these premonitions of Charlie dying. And Desmond kind of being like, no matter what you do, you can't outrun it. You're going to die. You're going to die. And ultimately, he realizes that the boat that they all think is coming to save them, all of the people on the island, is not the boat that they think it is. And in a last like minute effort to do good, as he's drowning in the water, he writes on his hand, not Penny's boat, and holds it up. And that is like the thing that sets off this whole other storyline and trajectory for the show. And he goes out a hero, and he's just so cute. And it was really sad. Yeah, not Penny's boat is iconic. And it's very effective when they kill off the most likable character. And I think a lot of people like Charlie. He was a lot of people's favorite characters. So yeah. for my number three, I'm going to go with the show Succession. <laughs> Did you finish it? I didn't, but I know that Logan Roy dies if that's who you're going to pick. <laughs> Yeah, he's the character. I won't elaborate. It's just very, it, you know, the show was so grounded and gritty and real. And I didn't know what they were talking about half the time when they talked about like mergers and acquisitions and backstabbing and this, that and the other and their legalese. But when they tackled serious things, you know, it was such a gritty grounded show that it, it hits. So I won't elaborate. Thank you. But he's my number three. <laughs> it was a very well done episode. It was, it was a great episode. Looking forward to it. So I think I'm going to take... From Breaking Bad, Jane. And it's not so much about Jane herself. It's about how Jane dies. So Jane is Jesse's girlfriend and Jesse and Walt are partners in their meth making. And Jane is a good thing for Jesse. Like she isn't actually, she's a terrible thing for Jesse. They're doing drugs together. 
but Jesse is kind of peeling off and being more with her and less about the business. So one night Walt is in their room. I can't remember why, but anyway, they're asleep and Jane starts vomiting in her sleep and choking on her own vomit. And he just lets it happen. And he just watches her and she dies when he could have like rolled her on her side. He could have done so many things. But in that moment, he makes the decision that his life, Walter White's life will be better if Jane isn't around. And he didn't technically kill her, but he kind of did by not doing anything to help save her. And that to me is like one of the big moments where he becomes a villain. He takes a turn from chemistry teacher to bad guy. So it was very impactful for the series for me, that death. Yeah, and she's played by Kristen Ritter, who was in Don't Trust the Bee with James Vanderbeek. All roads lead back to Dawson's. They really do. For my number four, now we take a lot of heat for not picking the show a lot on Dawson's drafts. People come for us. That's not why I'm picking it. (laughs) But the show is One Tree Hill, and the death is Keith. So what happens is, we've talked about it a little bit, they do a school shooter episode. So it's Jimmy, and he was in the first episode of One Tree Hill, the second. He was planted very early on, and we all know him in Dawson's Creek. He played Kenny, which was Abby's partner in that one assignment, and he ran against Abby and Andy, you know, in that election episode. But he's a school shooter. Everyone's on lockdown. It's like a very intense, scary, awful episode. And then Lucas and Nate's dad goes in to the school. And Jimmy ends up shooting himself. And then Keith is shot by his own brother. And Jimmy kind of takes the rap for it because people think that Jimmy did it. And it's wild and, and it's insane. And I remember the night I watched, I still remember the night I watched that episode. I was like, my mouth fell open because they did this thing where they set up all this tension throughout the episode, but the person causing the tension, you know, like the person with the gun was taken out. And so you kind of let your body like, relax you get like your body the tightness was just kind of like oh thank god like no one got seriously hurt and then it's just good lord very effective still there was a tiktok trend going around about it more like girls or whoever were like filming their boyfriend or their friends watching it and it was like boyfriend's reaction to that episode of one tree hill and like even the reactions still to this day are very shocking To tie a thread to that, I've also been seeing a lot of TikTok trends, the same exact trend for one of the people on my list. So I'm going to take them next, which is from Grey's Anatomy, George O'Malley. We talked about it in, I think, the last episode when we did best montages, but that whole episode where, you know, he's not supposed to be at the hospital, there's just, it's not at all in your mind that he's in any sort of danger whatsoever. And John Doe is with Meredith the whole episode. They can't really figure out who he is, what he's doing, whatever. And then John Doe starts scribbling in Meredith's hand, 007, 007. And the moment that she realizes that it is George, to this day, sends shivers through my body. Like, it was just so well done. So good. Did you know, my only one gripe with that whole thing, and I agree, I love that. Did you know what the 007 meant? I feel like I put it together the minute that Meredith put it together. Well, she says George, 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 but I didn't really know what he was. Because isn't it a reference to season one where... Yeah, License to Kill. He gets the nickname 007, right? Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. I only have one pick left and I don't know. I'm like so torn. I'm torn between like five. 
you know what just this is a dawson's creek podcast after all i mean i'm not gonna pick abby but <laughs> since we are like the teen soap we're since we're circling that drain i'm gonna go with the oc marissa cooper because the preview going into that episode that episode the week before i was like by the end of next week's episode, one of these four people will, I think they said die, actually. I really I mean, I think they explicitly said it. And I never once considered like Ryan and Marissa ever. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they're going to kill Seth or Summer. Because <laughs> <laughs> it said one of the main four, one of the main four. And just the fact that they told us and they were driven off the road and it did kind of come out of nowhere, kind of. That was, I mean, that's, that was a big, that's a big deal. It was a huge deal. I didn't watch the OC when it aired. I watched it after on DVDs and I knew that she died. Like I, it had been spoiled for me and I still didn't really see it coming when it happened. (laughs) I was like, oh, whoa. All right. My last pick. I am going to take from the Sopranos, Christopher Maltesanti. This could be a two-parter hand in hand since you're done with yours of Christopher and Adriana. Adriana was Christopher's girlfriend. She was taken out by the mob unbeknownst to him because she was becoming a problem she got herself in a really sticky situation and she was trying to toe the line of like the fbi was after her but she was giving them only the tiniest bits of information as to not snitch on anybody so anyway she dies and christopher really spirals hard into his drug problem and christopher is technically quote-unquote family he's tony's wife's nephew but he's tony's nephew in that regard and i just never saw it coming i never thought that he would be taken out and one night he is high and driving tony home and they get into a car accident and christopher's kind of dying and tony's about to dial 911 and then he's like "Hmm," thinks twice and suffocates christopher and it's just really gnarly never saw it coming and stuck with me don't get me started. Christopher was my favorite character. They He was annoying by the end, but Christopher was my favorite on that show. I love him. He's a great character. That might be the hardest category we've done in the sense that I still have so many left over. So many. I have five left over. I have a giant list. Well, RIP. You know what's funny? I was going to put someone on this list who was on a show that I worked on. I don't really want to say this show. And I didn't write for this show, so I'm not going to claim responsibility for it, but... It was funny watching the writers bring up, like, maybe we should kill the character. And as, like, a fan of TV and a student of TV, and you're just thinking, like, no, 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 no. Like, it's an iconic (laughs) character. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then just watch that seed. And then they went back and forth. Are they going to do it? And I don't think it was well received by America, but I was witness to an iconic character death. And I think you really just have to think twice (laughs) before you do it. My list, skip over now to avoid spoilers, is Joyce from Buffy, Derek from Grace, Logan from Succession, Keith from One Tree Hill, and Marissa from The O.C. My list is Ned Stark from Game of Thrones, Charlie from Lost, Jane from Breaking Bad, George from Grey's Anatomy, and Christopher from The Sopranos. Yeah. Well, what you watching? Oh, man. Well, I know what we can talk about. I'm watching Traders on Peacock. Are we ever? Are we? What? <laughs> there's there are no other shows. I've been watching Traders for a month straight. And you're you are watching all country Traders, aren't you? Not just the U.S. I've gone worldwide. The quote Candy <laughs> Burris from Real Housewives of Atlanta. I've gone worldwide. I've done Australia, two seasons of UK. I, I really cannot recommend it enough. I can't say enough good things. 
why don't you explain the premise to anyone who doesn't know what it is? Yeah, so it's very mole adjacent. It's kind of like Among Us or Mafia or all of those games where at the beginning, it's a group this season in the US, it's a group of reality stars, different public personalities. There was some athletes, there was a guy from the British parliament, like really random group of folks. And at the beginning, two of them are named the traitors and everyone else is a faithful. And it's the job of the faithfuls to try to figure out who the traitors are. And it's the job of the traitors to try to pick off the faithfuls. And at the end, whoever's left standing gets a big pot of money. There's like other rules that are a little more complicated, but it's not worth getting into when like you're explaining the premise, the host will explain it. But on the US version, there's two seasons, like you said, the first season is half civilian, half reality stars. And then the second season is all quote unquote, public figure celebrities. And on UK, both seasons actually are civilian only. Just I cannot say enough good things. I'd like to watch one of those because going in with all civilians, nobody has like any preconceived notions of who the people are. Where like now it's there's a fair amount of housewives. There's a fair amount of like people from the challenge and they're like, oh, well, the housewives are this way and the people from Survivor are this way, game players and all civilians might be cool. Scripted wise, are you watching anything? Well, my partner and I are picking back up Succession, which we kind of had a long break on. You need breaks with that because it's so dense. Yeah, but we're back, baby. We're doing it. What season? We're at the end of season two. I thought we were in season three. Oh, Lord. (laughs) You have a long way to go. Yeah, what about you? I've really been struggling with scripted series. I started Expats this week. There's only two episodes out so far. I highly recommend it so far. Very good. On Amazon Prime, it's based on the novel. Nicole Kidman is the lead. And, you know, she's Nicole Kidman is Nicole Kidmaning. She plays the same character in a lot of things she's done recently, like a tortured mother kind of a thing. But look, she's living her life. She's doing it. And it's and it's it's impressive so far. I actually really like it. Awesome. Well, you'll have to let us know if you recommend the show as it goes on. Oh, show. Oh, show. Well, at least we're watching stuff. We're watching stuff. We're watching things. We're living. We're doing it. We're living. We're living. We're living. I think that's it. Perfect. Awesome. Well, next week is episode 219. Rest in peace, Abby Morgan. Buddy of that face. <laughs> is it rest in, is it rest in peace, Abby Morgan or Abby Morgan rest in peace? Oh, hold on. I honestly I went off the dome and maybe I got a little too gawky. I think Mike White wrote that one too, which is crazy. Mike White is writing basically the whole season. You're right. It was Abby Morgan rest in peace. Abby, Abby Morgan, Morgan rest, rest in, in peace. Well, she's dead. Spoiler. If putting her in a body back, if you thought it was like a trick. <laughs> it ain't no trick, honey. She, she gone. So what will we be drinking for Abby Morgan? Rest in peace. We will be drinking The Undertaker. You will need vanilla vodka, Kahlua, creme de cacao, and chilled espresso or cold brew. It's basically just a very slight variation on an espresso martini. I'm obsessed because you know I love espresso martinis. You know it. Who doesn't? I wonder what it's called. The Undertaker, like the caffeine will kill you, I guess. Oh, gosh. Let's record this one early in the day. Hasn't killed me yet. <laughs> Maybe this will be the day. God willing. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine if what one of us died in a podcast? I, I cannot. I used to think about that like when people were Zoom working. What if one of us just dropped dead now?
Did you ever see the, there was like during the pandemic, a thing going around, <laughs> they were all on a Zoom and uh, one guy stepped out to like, I don't know, do something and his room caught on fire <laughs> and people were like, Jason, Jason. <laughs> oh my God. No, but that's amazing. Yeah, it was really nuts. All right. Well, that was episode 218, The Perfect Wedding. A Perfect Wedding, Perfect Wedding, whatever. A Perfect Wedding. And it was perfect. Not for Abby. <laughs> it couldn't have been worse for Abby, to be honest. <laughs> All, right, All right. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.